previously on Box Cutters. Taddy was called away to Hastings. Hastings is nice. I was there on the, on, on oh. Wednesday. Yeah, it's a poor town. Had a little, a little cafe down there. What were you uh, doing? Just doing Hastings. <laughs> don't ask too many questions. <laughs> I don't ask about your life. Stop asking why I was in Hastings. Just people go to Hastings, right? <laughs> you you offered up the information. I just said it's a nice place for lunch. I didn't say... Ask questions I wonder, about though, I wonder though what you do in your fancy free life. <laughs> Just travel around to Hastings, go to a port town, have a bit of lunch. Hit the peninsula. Yeah. The peninch. Roller skate on St Kilda Beach Pier or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Box cutters. Box cutters. Good evening, viewers, and welcome to episode 359 of Box Cutters. My name is Brett Cropley. In the studio with me tonight, Marion Blythe. Hello, internets. Rachel Howe. Hey. And Dave Lawson. Oh, thanks, guys. Thanks for having me. <laughs> nice to be here. That's lovely. That is it. It's been a couple of weeks since we've been in the studio. Yeah, it is. We, I missed we had, us. We had cup day I off and then us. last week there was some shenanigans going on where everybody became unavailable. Mm. Not emotionally, but just uh, for the studio. Oh, no, I was emotionally unavailable. You are always emotionally unavailable. (laughs) That's true. But we're back and we've brought some interesting stuff to talk about with us. We're reviewing Masters of Sex, which Rachel Howe has definitely not been looking forward to at all. No, I dread it. Now, I know nothing about this show, Masters of Sex. Masters of the Sex. Is it Masters of the Sex? Masters of Sex. I remember Masters of the Universe. Skeletor. Skeletor. He-Man. Pretty much the same thing. I'm picturing in my heart. I don't know what it's about. Okay. There's a there's a yeah, Castle Grayskull. Okay. Yeah. There's a sword. You know there? what? You shouldn't have, have told no... us that and you should have just reviewed Masters of the Universe. <laughs> <I got laughs> that would be awesome. Oh, God. I really found the sexual tension between Shearer and the horse was... <laughs> <laughs> Probably true. You know what I love, though? I love the Masters of Sex action figures. Oh, yeah. They're with, great. With full, full... No, they <laughs> don't have them. <laughs> I, I can't wait to find out. See, Fully normally it, it was the box cutters rule of three where you watch three episodes of a, of a show to, yep. to work out if you like it or not. And I changed that to the box cutters rule of two. I'm going for the box cutters rule of n- not watching it at all mm. today. But I can't wait to hear what it's about. And I'll, maybe I can decide on what you guys... You're a minimalist. Following yeah, this trajectory, you're going to uh, move into the box cutters rule of minus one where you actually write an episode. <laughs> I'll do that yeah. for you. Or you just read a fan fiction-like thing. Oh, I've loved to read these mm. fan... I've heard all about this fan fiction. It's a new thing that people write. No, it's, it's old. old is it? It's very old. Okay. <laughs> is it, is it you know, you know this new thing, the internet? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm, something to do with that. Okay. Actually, mm. I would say that there was probably fan fiction a long time before. So well, you just type in fan fiction and it'll come up. Is, it, is fan fiction sexy stuff? Type in Harry Potter... Hermione and Ron fan fiction. No, I don't think... That's what you want. That's the good shit. That sort of glint in your eye. (laughs) I'm going to give that one a wide berth by the sounds of things. There's even photoshopped images. Uh, Not that I look. No, that that sounds sounds a little bit bit wrong. Personally, I prefer Star Trek fan fiction. Mm. Uh, One of the favourites that I've ever heard was the line, Geordie says to data now prepare for data entry position oh. <laughs> people write oh. these lines obviously Someone wrote could, that. there'd be fan fiction on everything then i imagine you could just if yeah. you like something there could yeah. be, there's probably breaking bad oh yeah fan lots fiction. of mm-hmm. fan fiction on breaking bad yeah. we've also got uh, a guest joining us in the Yay. studio lauren roseborn lauren's coming in because she knows a lot about sex and i thought she would be a great person to no, she's not a prostitute she's an academic and uh, I thought she'd be great to talk to about Master Sex. Also, she's funny and brilliant. It feels like far too long since I've, I've heard who our crushes are of the week yeah. from Marion. We'll be talking about what the listeners have been telling us over the last couple of weeks. And we will tell you what to watch and all of that. But as ever, let's kick things off with the Box Cutters News. Comedy Central has picked up a show called At Midnight, which is to be hosted by Chris Hardwick. What is that? It's a 
late night program featuring comedians bantering about the day's social media sensations. And it's going to be on the same schedule as The Daily Show and The Colbert Report, wow. which I think that means four days a week, mm. four nights a week. Chris Hardwick, uh, I've been a fan of his podcasting stuff for a while. He does the Nerdist podcast. Oh, yeah. And he's also, he, he hosted one of those, I think it was Web Soup. So, so are you looking forward to it? Uh, yes, very much looking forward to that. It should be uh, quite entertaining. Mm. Talking of uh, comedy cable channels, Adult Swim are launching a local Australian online service which will have Australian local contents, including a series from an Australian duo called Superwog. What? Mm. And where's this airing? Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. This will be... In it's, the US? It's, no, no, it's online. It's online, so uh, so I believe that is Super Adult Swim is YouTube. Is he a YouTube guy? It's awful. I've seen it. Oh, have you? So bad. Yeah, it's always on the YouTube homepage. Yeah, because it's like it gets lots of hits in so Australia. Is it, is it Nick Giannopoulos? No. no. Uh, yeah, a little oh, bit. It's not Nick yeah. Giannopoulos though. No, no, but it's E. Mm. It's it's like <laughs> it's that kind of awful humor, like mm. just stereotypes and and the comments. I actually like. I'm more interested in the com. You know, YouTube comments are like a really good source of entertainment and/or shock and/or I hate humanity mm-hmm. um, inspiration. But yeah, the comments are always like, I can't believe that this is even a video and that it's allowed on YouTube. And then people will go, I'm ethnic and this represents me and my family to a T and blah blah blah. And if we don't think it's offensive, then you shouldn't think it's offensive. And you know, and then they have a big fight and they. Mm. But. Uh, Offensive, fine, whatever, but it has to be funny, and a lot of it's not funny. So Adult Swim uh, has Aqua Team, Hunger Force, the Venture Brothers, Harvey <laughs> Birdman, Attorney at Law, which you might have seen on SBS, which is kind of the world of Hanna-Barbera, Hanna yeah. and it's uh, Birdman yeah, as, as an attorney, yeah. and Robot Chicken. So uh, these are all coming to Australia, these... What it's uh, going to be launched as a local online service. Oh, okay. Which oh. means uh, we won't be geo-blocked from that, and maybe that'll lead the way to your HBO Pro or whatever they are, mm. and, and Netflix and all that sort of stuff. Mm. Hopefully, fingers mm. crossed. And something that uh, Tati sent in for us have been very outraged by uh, from the Hobart Mercury. Two police officers have been left red-faced after confusing a man's Sons of Anarchy t-shirt with oh. a real bikey games uh, patch in wow. Queensland. The t-shirt had the insignia of the fictitious bikey gang during a protest at Emerald, where a state cabinet uh, <laughs> was meeting, which is kind of just ridiculous. A little bit TV yeah, connected. Brilliant. And that is the Box Cutters News. Hello, this is Frank Thring, gossip from heaven on the Box Cutters. I bumped into Ray Charles the other day. Well, he bumped into me because his dog's not dead yet. Warning this segment contains spoilers of the review show Masters of Sex. We've got Lauren Rosewarn in with us today. Dr. Lauren Rosewarn is a senior lecturer in the School of Social and Political Sciences at the University of Melbourne. She is the author of four books, Sex in Public, Women, Outdoor Advertising and Public Policy, Cheating on the Sisterhood, Infidelity and Feminism, Part-Time Perverts, Sex, Pop Culture and Kink Management, and Periods in Popular Culture, Menstruation in Film and Television. And she's also got a brand new book called American Taboo, available in all good bookstores. Wow. That's a lot of books. I'm setting the standard tonight. She's been a contributor to a couple of other things. She's also a media commentator. She writes a popular culture column for The Conversation and is the author of numerous papers and articles on gender, media and culture and has presented her research in Australia, the US, the UK, New Zealand, Lebanon, Turkey, Portugal, Sweden and Japan. (gasps) Yeah. So Lauren is, uh, she's well equipped to help us out in uh, reviewing Masters of Sex. Rachel, take it away. Masters of Sex is the latest Showtime offering, a period piece examining the work of renowned sex researchers William Masters and Virginia Johnson. The Masters and Johnson Sex Study, which began at Washington University in St. Louis in the 1950s, is now recognized as one of the most important contributions to the study of human sexuality, and the discoveries that they made are now considered common knowledge. Yet at the time, information that we now take for granted, such as the importance of the clitoris and female orgasm, was largely unknown. Masters of Sex is hardly a run-of-the-mill biopic. 
Less concerned with attention to historical accuracy, the script focuses on character development and keen social observation. With equal measures of wit and sensitivity, it parallels the lab research central to the plot with the personal struggles each character undergoes when confronted with the sexual ignorance and gender mores of the time. From the outspoken, unconventional Virginia Johnson, played by Lizzie Kaplan, a woman whose unapologetic refusal to conform to the socially prescribed sexual purity foisted upon women of her time, to the arrogant yet oddly sympathetic Bill Masters, expertly portrayed by British actor Michael Sheen, a man both bewildered by and obsessed with the mysteries of sex, to the rather mournful character of Libby, Caitlin Fitzgerald, Masters' neurotic wife, who believes that her sole value in life is the bearing of children and her inability to conceive throws her into inconsolable despair. The script walks the line between emotionally engaging drama and gentle satire of 1950s conservative sexual values. What did you think of it? I have to admit that I put it on about 9 o'clock on Friday night thinking, oh, I'll just watch one episode and then go to sleep. And then I was like, at the end of that, I was like, no, I've got to, I'll, I'll watch one more. And then... Before I knew it, it was 5 a.m. and I'd watched every available episode. Oh, and I was good. Yeah, I am now mm. obsessed with this show. You, I, sorry. Oh, yeah. no, I've seen it now because I, like, I knew nothing about this uh, show, mm. Masters of Sex. And I have seen a documentary about this, this yes. couple. It's very fascinating. And this, she was his assistant that he one day went, Yes. Well, you're here. Would you want to take part? Shall we? And she took part in the... Because they had so trouble well. getting interview sub- uh, participants in the study, yes. mm. so they ended up using each other for some of the more unorthodox. Right. Yes, and they ended up getting married. That's not a pop. I don't know if this if the spoiler, series. Well, I don't know if the story well, takes it that far in the series. It's but history, so it's I history think, yeah. that they got married and then divorced. So after. he's got to go yes. back to his wife and go, "Look, we're having trouble getting no. some subjects." Uh, he didn't tell her. No, no. And also, you yeah. caught in that intro. You said his neurotic wife. Yeah. Yes. No, she's not neurotic. Well, the, you know what? That's a good point. I really should not have used the term neurotic, but she's she probably would have been considered neurotic at the time yeah, by a psy- like psychiatrist at the time because she was un- an unhappy, sad woman mm. who's doing everything probably, she can to keep her husband. Yeah. Isn't isn't that just yes. how married women were? Yeah. In the, no, yeah. that's probably I was sure she was the norm. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I, Gotta have a baby, Point gotta have taken. a baby, gotta have a baby, gotta Point have a baby. Taken. Been yes. married for three weeks, gotta have a baby. <laughs> yes, gotta mix up some cocktails. <laughs> she, <laughs> she's a, a very sad, she's, I think she's a very cooks, sad character. Yeah. yeah. So she's sad because she can't have a baby. Mm. Yes. And because she's been led to believe that it's her fault when in actual fact it's her yes. low semen or, or low sperm count husband. Yes. Yeah. What did you enjoy about, about the show? Like, um, is the acting strong? I thought that the acting was really impressive. I love Lizzie Kaplan. I love Lizzie Kaplan in everything she's ever done, where even the seen, movies that I don't like. I've never heard that name before. Probably Mean Girls? Yeah, she she made her sort of real screen debut in Mean Girls. She was in Bachelorette, and uh, she's also... She was in True Blood as well, as um, in season two, I think it was, as Jason Stackhouse's psychopathic girlfriend. So she's she's been in a few different things. So it sounds like she's been supporting before this. Is this a, a lead role? Yes, now? yes. This is like the first time I can think of her in a lead role. Well, she she's recently done a film in which she played a lead role, but it was sort of a low budget kind of indie movie. And I haven't even started t- talking about Michael Sheen yet, who is an amazing British actor who is a bit of a chameleon. Like he's played actors from Tony Blair. Um, I think he's played Tony Blair a number of times. Yeah, yeah, he's played like Tony he's... Blair. He played uh, was it David Frost? Yeah, yeah, Frost Nixon. In Frost Nixon. I think he was in in the loop, or was he playing Tony Blair in in the loop? I think he was in in the loop as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think I think that's right. And uh, I I remember the first time I ever saw him actually was in um, a film directed by Stephen Fry called Bright Young Things, and um, he plays this like really really over the top camp gay guy in the 1920s, and he's just he's just gorgeous in that movie. Like just. I, I absolutely loved him. I was like, who is that guy? I want to see him in everything. I don't think I've ever seen him with an American accent before, but he pulls it off really well. And yeah, I find his 
character to be this sort of mixture of kind of creepy but kind of sympathetic like <laughs> i had no idea he was british so he does pull off the oh, accent wow really well. okay yeah and for me that was one of the distracting things that he was putting on an american accent because really? i because i was quite familiar with his previous work yes well i think for about 30 seconds i felt that way like in the same way that the first time i saw the wire and i saw dominic west playing mcnulty i was just like dominic west isn't supposed to have an american accent what's going on but then i just got sucked in by how great the story was and and for me that's what happened with this as well like i just absolutely love the story sometimes i feel that perhaps the characters are are sort of put in place to uh, showcase something about the sexual dysfunction of the time um, especially the character of Dr. Haas played by Nicholas D'Agosto who um, is this character who meets um, Virginia Johnson in mm. the first episode and, and then she blows yeah. him away well, well yeah <laughs> they, they have sex and he's a oh, spoiler <laughs> I, don't, I don't think that's much of a spoiler I think that happens in the first five minutes Anyways, I was doing it subtly I was doing it come on blows him away <clears throat> and he just instantly becomes obsessed with her and it, it's it's sort of hard to tell whether yeah he sort of is one of those people that seems to have difficulty understanding the difference between love and sex yeah. and and we see this repeated I through. like that though that it was that it's him that he's the man and he has sex with her and falls crazy yes, in love with her absolutely. whereas she's like we're friends like mm. you know does this research that they um that they were involved in still hold up this might be a question for the doctor <laughs> because of the controversial nature of of the research in terms of watching people have sex watching men and women masturbate there hasn't been a lot of similar research done since because it probably wouldn't get through most ethics committees at universities so right. therefore and of course like freud they did say some stuff that was the first time it had ever been said so things such as the clitoris is the source of orgasm as opposed to the vagina which is freud's theories as well as you know sex being or uh, sexual pleasure being able to be had without a partner these were the first time a lot of people were hearing them from them. So uh, they didn't have anything too controversial that hasn't that has been refuted. More so, it's been built upon in other ways. But their methodology that they had that they observed that was very very new and that's, right. that stood up. I was reading a bit about it on Wikipedia earlier, and apparently this this really disappointed me. But apparently um, they set up this treatment for supposedly like a treatment to turn homosexuals into heterosexuals. So obviously I would say that that would be refuted by now, obviously. Yeah, but, so the yeah. conversion therapy or mm. aversion therapy has yes. has all largely – I mean some church wacky churches still practice it in the US, mm. but it's been in largely uh, largely condemned. Some of the stuff that's more controversial um, – in con- amongst c- contemporary writers is that they seem to do a lot of pathologizing, which is that, that there were sexual dysfunction was a problem as opposed to accepting some people have high and some people have low sex drives. They had a lot of everything can be treated. So, for example, this idea that women could be could go through therapy to find sex more appealing as opposed to, well, so maybe some people just don't like sex and that that's that being okay and that's all yeah. very um, and sex therapy is still controversial amongst some writers now so with your perspective on sexual nature what did you think of the of the show had i not been coming in here i probably would have turned it off after the first episode for me it was it had the mad men feel to it where i was a bit mm. um yeah it's beautiful in the sense that it's 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 probably visually quite accurate but i think a lot uh, trying to be accurate to the time you lose out in storyline but because I did continue with it, it gets better. I think it does get better. But some of my criticisms is, well, one of the overarching, it's not very sexy. And this is something I'm writing an article about it at the moment is that for a show about sex, there's a lot of boobs, but boobs for me don't necessarily make a show sexy. And I think that there's no erotic undercurrent in the show. Whereas, and I was um, thinking before I came in about shows like Rectify or Top of the Lake, which are my two favourite shows I've watched this year, not about sex, but quite sexy. This is all about sex, and yet somehow it makes it not. Se- and the sex scenes, particularly between the two researchers, are very, very. Um, you feel almost pervy watching them, and I suppose that's part of what because you know, they are strapped with electrodes and stuff. You're supposed to think that, but for me, it, it'd be very hard. I think you'd be hard pressed to get aroused watching this show. And that may be informed by its clinical setting. That it's not. It's not a study. 
about sexiness. It's about uh, it's about sexual response. So mm. so I think that kind of being set in in that hospital is is going to kind of necessitate it not being that sexy like uh, apart from the drama that comes in uh, around it but then you focus a lot on boobs and a lot of boob caressing which is traditionally one of those things Mm. that you include to be erotic i mean because think of all the masturbation scenes with women they're cropped in the way that um I've been writing a lot about masturbation recently, so excuse me. <laughs> there's the website Beautiful Agony, which is about uh, masturbation, but all the, f- uh, f- uh, the f- cinematography focuses on chest up. Yeah. That's very much the exact cinematography that's employed here, which is a deli- it, it's, it's traditionally filming largely women that way is supposed to be sexy, yet it doesn't come across that and way. And also there's, like, there's supposed to be... This sexual tension between Bill and Ginny, and there's nothing. No, I, I don't. Yeah, I didn't I, buy I, it either. I, yeah, I'm not feeling anything between those two. And even the um, the blondies, the subjects, it's just yeah, it's not sexy at all. And I don't like that the women are like the women are shown as usual, like full, you know, full nudity and stuff. With men, you see a lot of mm. arm action, so masturbation's implied, but. You see nothing of it. But is that down to our rating system yeah. and that an erect penis in, in Australian classification will lead to an X rating? But if their hand's regardless. covering it up, like the, there's, the, there's masturbate, female masturbation shots where it's a, it, you can see the hand and the open legs, but they're covering up there, so it's okay. <laughs> yeah. Can't they use two hands? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But also there's missed opportunities. I think if you think of the provost's wife character, the Alison Janey character, she'd never had an orgasm before. It had been established very early on she wasn't having relations with her husband. She doesn't find her sexuality through masturbation. She finds it through a man. And I think that this is an opportunity missed Mm. because, again, it's not very sustaining to find sexual pleasure being reliant on someone else for it and feeling that that's your... Yeah. Yeah. I definitely agree with you about um, the point about that the character that, you know, suddenly she has sex with a guy she finds attractive who's into her and it's like, oh, my God, she suddenly she has an orgasm, which did seem... A little bit unrealistic to me because it, it does seem that you know if someone has problems with orgasm they need to first find what they like by themselves and I think that your observation that the show isn't sexy I would agree with that I've endured months of people asking me have you watched Masters of Sex because yeah. that's supposed to be my thing and mm. I've been avoiding it because everything I read about it didn't seem to me that interesting it's slightly more interesting than I mm. thought but it's got a little soap opera to it which I don't think you can gussy up by saying that it's you know a biopic I'm, I'm yeah and I think they waste he- heaps of time with the sex on screen as well. Like, I don't think we need that. I think the story is compelling enough without the... There's a lot of time spent watching subjects have sex, like... Is it? Really and not care. sexy sex. Mm. That's why it screams to me this would have been a good miniseries. But even, like, the sex that they're having, like, as as, you know, in their private lives isn't sexy... You know, Lizzie Kaplan is one of the sexiest human beings in existence. And if she can't make a hot sex scene, what's wrong with the world? Well, I I wonder if, speaking cynically from a cynical perspective, I wonder if they have come up with this show, if the pitch was successful, because Mad Men is coming to a conclusion and they needed Mm. something that was of the period to to Mm, take that on. Mad Men was never really that sexy either. You never saw... No, no, really explicit sex scenes oh. in, in that. Not really explicit sex scenes. Wow. We've seen more explicit stuff in Masters yeah. of Sex than uh, we did in that. And Neighbours. I, I, I agree <laughs> that Mad Men doesn't necessarily show explicit sex, but I don't know if I'd agree that Mad Men isn't sexy. No, no, I didn't say it wasn't sexy. I was talking about sex on screen. Oh, okay. But Sorry, I thought speaking, you said it wasn't sexy. Speaking of the way it looks and stuff, um, that was one of the first things that I wrote down when we when I was watching episode one uh, was because I'm, I'm like a big fan of modernist design and stuff, and I was just – I wrote down – I want to live in their house, the master's house. That is the most beautiful, So it's a split-level lounge room. And yeah, modernist home. It's also, like Mad Men, I found the pacing quite ponderous. I, yeah. I, it, it took slow. me six attempts to get slow? into Mad Men I because it was so it was slow. slow. Yeah. I was doing. I, I was able to play online Scrabble while watching it and not missing a beat. <laughs> right. Mm. So I, I get this real feeling with, with the, the amount of sex on screen and the setting and stuff that, that it really has been brought in to take on that 
audience. And I wonder how how long they're imagining that the show's going to go. Are they, go, are they trying to get seven seasons for, well, out of it? Second, yeah, see, the second series has already been commissioned, but... America's going through this stage at the moment where they're that they're very obsessed with with historical stuff, and I think the Downton Abbey, the success of that, has has lit up parts of their brain. Mad Men, Downton Abbey, there's something about fetishizing the past, even if it's not with accuracy. And I think that there's you could you know pick out a lot of things from Masters of Sex that's probably not accurate from mm. it, but that's okay because there's something seductive about looking at the past and the architecture and the mm. fashion as well. Yeah, I would have to say that Masters of Sex is far less historically accurate i mean from what you know from what i know of the 1950s than mad men and I would say that the thing that stands out the most is the dialogue is just not accurate. They use a lot of language that's contemporary and a lot of phrases that they wouldn't have used in the 1950s, I think. And I really wish I had an example, but I don't. Well, what about queer? One of the characters asked, are you going to study queer sex? Now, I'm not sure. I haven't haven't looked into this, but that jumped out at me as I'm not sure that that queer was being used by a homosexual rather than as a slur. Yeah, that's interesting. Because that it's yes. only been in the last 10, 15 years where, we, where, where gay people have started using queer to describe mm. themselves. Historically, it's been a slur. Perhaps he was doing it in that kind of self-deprecating yeah. way. It did jump out at me, though. What about pubic hair? Heaps of it? You don't get that down, that low down. You never oh, see. The, oh, cropping, really? the never croppings, see. boob up. I was interested because I was wanting to see <laughs> that as well. No, because historically that was a time where pubic hair you would have seen, unlike now where the trend is towards removal. Yeah, and maybe they just didn't have the budget for that many Merkins. If you, yeah, <laughs> if you remember, Re- Revenge of the Nerds. We got Bush. That's what I'm fine with. That was the... This is what you're bringing, Dave. This is what you're bringing no, to a, the review. It's an important question. I just didn't want to say the word just pubic yeah. hair, but I think, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's interesting if they... I was if, waiting for it. If they've gone yeah. for the, let's, let's you know... Well, at least they didn't go the Rome route where it, this was a pre-Christ kind of setting and they had they had actresses with Brazilians yeah. um, through that. All oh, right. I've, I found this show wasn't a particularly strong example of the box cutters rule at three. It's, each of those episodes up until the sixth were really tough for me to get through. But then there was something about the sixth episode that turned it around for me. And that was, that was the holiday episode that we alluded to before. I would have given up had I not been coming in because I really was struggling for the yeah, first Yeah, I was going to give up. And then I got to, oh, I think it was about four. Same. And I wanted to watch five, and now I want to watch six. So you think it's got some momentum, and uh, you've invested enough in it, and uh, continue with it. You will continue yeah, I'm watching. Continue with it if I have time. Yeah, I, I th- and that's the other thing. It's not necessarily a priority for no. me because I know how it ends. I know the Masters and Johnson story backwards. So yeah. there's, there's not that level of. Um, I mean, oh, what happens? Are they going to get together? Well, they have thrown some changes. For example, yeah. in real life, she had three marriages before him. Yeah. They simplified it to two. They changed the names of her kids. It's quite odd that they changed these superficial, yeah, superficial huh. details. But yeah, there may have been issues about the actual people. In real life, mm. with those names, other oh, kids, yeah. Except if you're keeping the names of their parents, mm. the who were who were published authors and yeah. people know that. Yeah. Would you watch this or uh, Agents of Shield first? This. I'm gonna. I've got to say, this is my favorite new show. Like, wow. I'm obsessed with this show. Really, I into love it. it. I absolutely love Who's it. Who's your favorite character? My favorite character is definitely Virginia Johnson, right. by Lizzie Kaplan. She's. I just think she's amazing. And what do you think about the Hass, Doctor Hass? Um, I think he's dreamy. Yeah. Um, he's uh, he's he's quite creepy. Um, he's does he's, it disturb you? Well, I, again, this is slightly yeah, it, spoiler. I don't know the fact that he's I, violent I, okay. towards women. Yes, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna put in a, uh, a <laughs> spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler. No, it's yeah. just that yeah, we know he commits an act of violence. We don't need to say who. Yeah, but later on, the relationship progresses to a point where they're almost intimate and again. That's bothering and them. I don't yeah. know. This is reminding me of season two of Maud, mm. where her husband hits her. And this is a sitcom of the 70s, first wow. episode of second season. And I, I can't watch it anymore <gasps> because not for the hitting. I could almost accept this as a talking point. She yeah. then rushes to comfort him. And I, six wow. months on, I'm still traumatised. And wow. I think this is what my problem with, I'm not worried about the violence. I'm res- worried about her response. I yeah. think that's yeah. the problem. 
Yeah, I, I actually went through some of the same emotions. Like, uh, you know, should, should we be accepting this? Should we have this woman portraying as sort of accepting this? She's such and, a strong female character. But, and then- but I also think that this is an examination of gender roles in the 1950s. And I think that that's realistic, that that sort of behavior would be considered okay, even though, like, we can look at it now and say, clearly, that's not okay at all and you know that's that guy's bad that's a bad she's guy she's such a firebrand character she's participating in a sexual study she's doing sex research she's having multiple sexual partners yes. it doesn't seem it doesn't make sense with the character that was more my criticism that she would rather forgive than him that for, she'd forgive him let him right. go guarantor on a car loan <laughs> yeah no I, I remember that because i remember he he go and i'm like don't put him in any sort of position of power what are you doing um, I think it, but I think that we can also see that she's had some really destructive relationships. Yeah, I was with just men. about to say she she d- comes across as strong and independent and whatever, mm. but there is a vulnerable side to her which I think makes her like she's like Bambi really. I mean the look of her, those mm. big doe eyes and yeah, she's you know, complex. She, yeah, yeah, she she does need. I don't know. Like I don't want to say she needs to be looked after because she's the little lady. Because I hate yeah. that sort of stuff. But she, you know. She needs affection and she, like any human does, and she can't do it on her own kind of thing. And And I also think that there are multiple times when you can see that she's actually very subservient to to the masters. Which that though makes sense in the context of she doesn't have any qualifications whatsoever. And in essence, she was very, very lucky to get elevated from a secretarial position Mm. to a a research assistant, which is, wouldn't even happen now yeah um, i can't imagine this happening at the university that i work at if you didn't have a phd to get a research assistant position she was able so i think in that sense she was very lucky and, and knew that yes yeah. but i i also think like there there is a there's a time when where he asks her to do something sort of near the beginning of the series that is that i i think anyone would look at that and say well that's completely inappropriate especially because he has that that sort of authority over her and you know and it's you know obviously it's a sexual type thing and he sort of asks you know he asks this of her and he's in a position of power and she really is struggling and you you see her go through in her head various different scenarios in which she responds to him and in some of the scenarios she's very very strong and is like no no way and then other scenarios she's kind of like actually quite subservient to him Mm -hmm. so you can see that she is really struggling with that and that there that in a way she he does have this sort of like emotional hold over her as well as the sexual attraction she has to him which may not actually come across that well but nonetheless i think we do establish that she's Uh, somewhat attracted to him and that confuses the yeah dave uh now that you know enough about the show Mm. uh, do you think you're going to actually get into having a look at it look i don't think it's going to be my thing i think it sounds like it might be a bit slow um i reckon I don't think I'd be able to get through six episodes. But, like, I might give it a go. I think if it was going to be one of those things, I would be up till 5 a.m. watching the whole series if, yeah. it is, if it is like that. But based on this, I don't think so. I might <laughs> stick with Masters of S.H.I.E.L.D. It's, I've got to say, also, before I watched it's the Masters show... Masters of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> Masters of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> I totally Masters watched that show. Masters of the Universe. I might stick with Masters of the Universe. That's yeah. what actually yeah. happened. That's the issue. That's why Dave didn't watch Masters of Sex, because he got confused and he watched Masters of the Universe. Which is yeah. a great show. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. A lot I of sexual tension. Grayskull! <laughs> By the power of Grayskull. I'm not in love with it. Like, I can take it or leave it, but I'll probably keep watching it if I have time. Masters of Sex screens on SBS One on Thursday nights at 9.30. And uh, if you haven't caught it as yet locally, uh, you can get on the SBS catch-up online thing. Awesome. Yeah, hi, g'day. I'm Katrina Mathers and I'm on the Box Cutters. How cool is that? (laughs) So Lauren is actually a TV junkie. And if anyone reads her um, columns in the conversation, they're often about television. How much content do you actually consume? Give us a little... Give us a little glimpse of your... When you're not writing books and papers. Well, this is the thing. It doesn't actually seem like I watch that much. And watching seven episodes of Masters of Sex on the weekend seemed very exhausting for me. So I I don't... That's a very unusual weekend of... You know everything. Also, when researching your your latest book, Mm. American Taboo, the amount of... um, The amount of... Give us some some of the stats. Okay, so there's 390 TV shows... Uh, mentioned a couple of hundred films, a few dozen songs. But I think 
escape in context. I'm not going to watch an entire film for one reference yeah, to, right. you know, I'm not going to watch a whole film just so I can get a glimpse of penis. I'll watch the penis <laughs> <laughs> over and over That's again. That's an audio um, grab. <laughs> the, you know, sometimes you just need to watch the, you know, like Crying Game, for example, yeah. as much as I love that film. Um, Wait, there's no penis in Crying Game. <laughs> if I need... Spoiler. If I... <laughs> 20 years on. Um, you know, so sometimes you can be more, str- more strategic. Yeah. 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 What's your favourite TV show? Earlier you were talking about um, slash fiction or fan fiction and I was just thinking of House. I was a really big House fan. And there was a lot of Wilson House. As though you needed it because there was enough tension there, but there's a whole genre of fan fiction for those two characters. But this year, Top of the Lake and Rectify have been my favourite shows. Yeah, right. And so because you, like, you study uh, sexuality, and you um, teach and stuff and like all your academia stuff is very focused on sex and stuff. How do you unwind? Go to church or? (laughs) Someone um, the other day who I didn't know randomly grabbed my hand and read my palm because weird shit happens to me all the time. I'm a magnet for weird. Um, And they grabbed my hand and said that my lifeline and work line were too intertwined on my hand. And I thought, well, as much as I'm not giving any credence to palm reading, uh, (laughs) I still go to the cinema for fun and I can still enjoy a film. I'm not taking notes. Um, Although a couple of years ago, Dad and I had free tickets to Dinner for Schmucks. I'm not sure if anyone's seen it. Mm. He still uses that as the test of, is the film worse than Dinner for Schmucks? That's his standard of the worst films ever. He says it was so bad because, Lauren, you were playing with your phone the whole time. But sometimes I'll use it to take notes. During Dinner for Schmucks, I think I was on Twitter. Yeah. yeah. Saying, oh, my God, Dinner for Schmucks. How awful. am I here? Kill me now. <laughs> Stab my eyeballs out. How did they you know, urinate all over the French film? Which was yeah. great. Do people find it intimidating discussing this with you, um, sex, and because you know so much about it? Now, if you're out for dinner with someone, do they bring it up or they avoid it? Sometimes it's it's a it's a weird. Um, when I was writing the book on sexual perversion, the year that I was writing the book, um, men who I was happening to see socially or if I was in a sexual relationship with them would try and become characters for the book. Oh, right. <laughs> By characters, I mean they really wanted to show me something that would be book worthy. Oh, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> None of them were anywhere Aww. nearly interesting enough. But How disappointing. Yeah. What, even just inventing a move just to try and make it into, into the book? <laughs> well, I confess, and I, ever since I was a child, men have confessed a lot of stuff to me. I, I don't know why. Um, so sex addiction, for example, or liking to, you know, nothing actually shocks me. So I'm st- I think that, you know, the one will be the one who's got the fetish that's so, oh my God, I didn't realise you loved to do that, that anyone knew that, that might be my Cinderella moment. Wow. <laughs> so can you give us an example of one of the things that they thought was really, really perverted but wasn't? The book on taboos in TV shows, mm-hmm. I picked my sort of handful of my favourite ones, such mm-hmm. as things like abortion, full frontal male nudity, yep. cunnilingus, etc. And I th- I approached it with the assumption that these are topics we're not supposed to talk about on first dates or in mixed company, but yet I always do. <laughs> I forget the rule. Yeah. But yet they do have a presence in film and television, and I wanted to have a look at, well, what presence is that? So I think Cunnilingus is a good example where you can actually find it. It's not as, as uh, common as fellatio, but it's there. But it's often as part of foreplay. So it'll never right. be given the status of a sex act all of its own. And I think that's an interesting gender relations insight that we don't often talk about publicly. But yet is... And then part of my research is looking at how film and television presents it, but then also looking at the act, the research, the contemporary research that yes. talks about women, for example, in real life, say their partners don't spend enough time doing or performing cunnilingus. That actually relates really well to what we see on film and television. So that relationship between popular culture and real life is actually much stronger than I think we give it credit for. So when people often dismiss, why do you research popular culture? Who cares about it? Well, actually, it's one of our biggest sources of sex education. So I think it is. Is that changing now? I mean, for me, there was no internet when I was growing up or trying to work things out. Um, So there was just the... You know, a little bit on TV here and there, or the magazine that someone had stashed under the tree down. You're at showing the, your age a bit, Dave. Well, there was, and there you're not on. even that old. You're <laughs> making this up. No, but there wasn't. There wasn't the internet when I was. You know, t- there wasn't the full internet. There wasn't the internet for you last week. Dave. No, that's true. That's true. There wasn't the internet. But now, um, like not kid teens now have access to not just regular sex. They've got 
whatever they want. It's just changing the way people are learning it rather than just getting a snippet from um, a TV show. Yeah, and like you, I'm 33. Um, I didn't grow up with the internet. I got the internet first time when I was 16, so I'd already knew about the birds and the bees before before Mm. I got to 16. I could imagine myself now, if I was 10, 11 and had a question... I'd go online for the answer. Now, mm. I'm not a wowser in terms... I don't have any censorship views on... Um, I'm anti-censorship, so I don't have a problem with internet pornography. But it does concern me that a 10-year-old would go online and ask a question about sex rather than their parents. But that then mm. doesn't, to me, doesn't scream, we need to censor the internet. It, it, it says to me, parents need to take a bigger role in parenting and not leave it up to the state. So that might mean, for example, that 10-year-olds don't have the internet in their room on their own. But you're going to you're you're be too embarrassed to ask your parents about a lot of the stuff. I remember my mate was doing a paper round and found a, a bunch of Polaroids from uh, what looked like it was a party, a pretty wild party. And that was an eye-opener <laughs> for all of us when yeah. we were 14. And you're going to yeah. get... I mean, I remember being at um, early years of high school and a kid brought in some bestiality um, magazine photographs yeah and this is pre-internet so i think you're always going to be exposed to images um you know that you may not understand i think the role there though is parents and schools educating about what media literacy is and how just because you see it doesn't actually mean it's prescriptive and that you know porn sets up some unrealistic expectations about sex and what's Mm. normal and just to link that back to TV, like you get that all the time when there's something, you know, graphic sex or whatever shown on TV shows and the wowsers will write into Green Guard or whatever saying, you know, completely inappropriate, who will think of the children? You have a remote control. It's on at a late time so that, you know, children are probably not watching. Like we we are the controllers of what we consume and what and our children consume. It's not consume. a billboard. Yeah. It's actually, and I think this is... Uh, bringing my poor grandmother back into it she off when she saw basic instinct said it was so horrible i couldn't look away and i think that's a good example of some of these wowsers where they want to consume all this debaucherous material only to then complain about it because i don't think you'd watch masters of sex or or any popular culture without having a a vague idea of what you're getting in for Mm. the rating gives you a pretty good clue yeah but they're showing more and more sex um, unless I just it wasn't was watching the wrong shows, but I mean you watch Game of Thrones now. I'm not no, that's and I think that's the impact of cable TV has changed the landscape as well. If you have a look at the sort of 60s and the codes around what could be shown on television, some of the most fantastic rules about if a man and woman were in a bed, for example, they each had to have one foot on the ground. The Hayes and that's the rule. Yeah. The Hayes Code. You couldn't have an interior shot of a bathroom. Hitchcock was in fighting with them for months about wanting to show a toilet in one. Not anyone using it. Just evidence being flushed, it was seen as hugely controversial. So now because, A, the Hayes Code's no longer in existence, but because of cable, networks can say, no, we're not going to show it, but it's okay because shows can have a life and a risque life at that on cable and people will pay for it. So this is an example of let the market decide and if there's a market for it, Mm. HBO will keep producing it. Now, I'm not sure if you're a fan of Game of Thrones, but... Uh, there's a theory that whenever they wanted to do a lot of exposition, they would be, do it around a sex scene so that people would still be watching it and <laughs> take that information in. Was the Are you aware if the sex scenes there were? Oh, yeah. I mean, and I think Game of Thrones is one of those things that people ask me a lot about because um, – it's sexual and women, you see a lot of female nudity in it. Mm. And so I constantly get asked, oh, well, as a feminist, do you care? And I don't care enough to watch it, put it that way. I, it's, to me, screams Dungeons and Dragons, and I'm, I'm not that kind of a... Um, You're a different type of geek. Y- yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to have a quiet cry. Uh, yes, my geek, <laughs> my geekery is somewhat different. It's, it's not down, down, um, down that path. But that said, I think there's a, there is something to be said for the spoonful of sugar idea, mm. the idea that will give you something you like that's till, titillating to also give you a message because we tend to absorb information more if it's presented to us in a, in a way that's attractive. But that Game of Thrones thing and the exposition – completely the opposite effect because I will watch those scenes and just go, what time the F, did, they, what the F yeah. did they just say? I have no, I have idea. no idea what they I, just I said. Just saw something it. about some guy doing something, yeah. whatever. Those chicks are having sex back there. But maybe that's a strategy that people will actually skip back to it. So and, they- But I hate. I also hate that in, like, in, in most shows, in most television shows and stuff, it's always hot females having lesbian sex like there's not a lot of male gay sex or or you know less attractive people there are hot 
gay guys having sex in Game of Thrones. Not and maybe not as much. It's as not anywhere women. near as graphic. But particularly or with the lesbian. Yeah, not not as explicit on screen. Yeah. Definitely not. And, and getting back to the pubic hair, I don't think there's bush in there's Game of Thrones. No, no, no yeah. which I think How no, that's where you go. Oh, really? I think there's some red bush in there. Yeah, but they, they just, it still <laughs> seems like it still naughty. seems like they've gone down to the uh, local uh, waxer. Maybe in that <laughs> universe, women don't have pubic hair. Well, that's true. It is. It is a. That's right. It's an alternate universe. Got, so. There's clippers. <laughs> the lesbian scenes, particularly in Game of Thrones, but in a whole lot of shows, is um, there's a, a film being released recently. Blue is the warmest color. From memory, that's the title. A foreign film, country. I'm going to say France, but I could be wrong. Um, there's a 25 minute lesbian scene in it, and one of the American. Sorry, what was in there? And um, one of the lesbian magazines in the United States uh, grabbed some lesbian, real life lesbians, Whoa. and made them watch. Where do you find those? I know it's shocking, mm. and they made them sit, made them sit down mm-hmm. and watch the sh- watch the scenes, yep. and then asked them about, well, how do you feel about accuracy? And a lot of them said this is lesbian sex for a heterosexual audience. And I think that's a yeah. really interesting point about when mm. we say we're seeing more lesbian sex for a moment. Are we seeing more lesbian sex or are we seeing heterosexual women yeah, no, playing lesbian sex yeah. for a heterosexual male and female audience? Because women like looking at boobs too. Mm. I've got a question for you. What do you find sexy? Like visually, like in a film or on, you know, on te- Like what... what- turns you want because we were talking earlier about what isn't sexy i'm a dialogue person so for me words okay um marion and i were actually having a conversation about this a little bit earlier in a different context about Mm -hmm. a text message from a guy can be a make or a break thing in the sense that um if they say something incredibly witty or funny or clever that that and i think in the context of film and television scenes can be sexy or rapport with the character between two characters can be sexy simply because of their exchange and their banter Mm. i'm not someone who's very visually aroused so um for me, pornography, my interest in pornography would actually be more turning up the volume and not looking at the screen. I just have a more of a a sound. Now that's getting a bit personal. But no, 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 <laughs> just, sorry, that was a very personal no, question. No, no, that's yeah. okay. But in, in real life, for example, it's, I, I, and I have the, we were talking about this off air before, I don't ever walk into a room and look and say, oh, he's gorgeous or she's beautiful until I've spoken to them and then right. I forget what they look like. Like anyway. the Alan Rickman effect. I don't know what the Alan Rickman effect is. Well, he's just, he's kind of an ugly man, but he has a really sexy voice. Oh, and he was in um, that film that I love. Love Actually. Love Actually. The film that I love. Love Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think storyline as well can make make the the sexiness there, which is, Mm. um, you know, and and I think just also body language and rapport and the subtle stuff I quite like. So can you give us an example of like a movie, like you've already said Top of the Lake. A TV show. A TV show. Yeah, sorry. A TV TV show. show. TV show. I'll, I'll talk about Rectify since it's a 2013. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what Rectify so is. I need, to know, I need to know. Sundance it. Channel. I think I've seen. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, rectify, Rectify. A guy's been jailed. Seen it. Yeah, yeah. good. Yes, Did you good. love it? Uh, I'm, it's, uh, is Aiden Young? Is Aiden yeah. Young in it? Uh, yeah, I've only seen about four episodes, but I still, I really did enjoy it. Did you find it sexy? Um. No, no, I didn't. Because there's a lot of. No, I had to think about it. But, but Aiden Young's sexy. And there's a subtleness to it. Here's a guy who has been jailed for raping and murdering his girlfriend at a, as a 19 year old, comes out 19, 20 years later. He's got this odd relationship with his sister. In one scene, she stands at the door listening to him masturbate right through to orgasm. His, wow. bro- his stepbrother's having a conversation asking him about prison sex and, in essence, prison mm. rape. And as he's telling this awful story about being raped in the shower block, his stepbrother is is kind of adjusting his pants. And you can tell wow. that and I not that that's necessarily sexy, but there's a sexiness, right. there's an eroticism. I remember that scene and I I didn't I, miss, I thought he was uncomfortable about starting yeah, to get uncomfortable but, but, but yeah. don't you think it's quite obvious he's adjusting his yeah. crotch of his pants, yeah. which to me says that the the um, discomfort is mm. somewhat connected. I, sorry, that scene, I'm working on a book at the moment about masturbation in film and television and I was, um, there's a lot in, in Rectify and I've, um, yeah. Okay, so the two shows that you mentioned that you find sexy, um, Top of the Lake and Rectify, are both TV shows that are extremely dark and violent. 
Wait, we're not we doing psychoanalysis this? on air. <laughs> I've actually done your psychoanalysis show on Sunday morning. What's it called? Yes, yeah. Radiotherapy. When I got in there, there was four psychologists, and I said, this feels like an intervention. <laughs> it's, it screams. It's actually your family organised yeah, it. Yeah, and they never went there. to air. It just screamed intervention. They were nice guys, but it was a awkward. It was a very weird Sunday morning. I was morning. having a drink with one at the radio party, the radio mm. party the other day. It was not going. Well, <laughs> one of well, them came in dressed head to toe in lycra and very tight lycra. Wow. So I was thinking I couldn't That's imagine a decoy. Was it a cycle <laughs> that was to throw you off? The I incident. couldn't imagine having a therapy session with a guy in lycra. I just one of them did kind of look for. I think if I was to ever go to therapy. The reason I can't go to therapy comes from Californication. Hank Moody in one episode has a line why he doesn't go to therapy. I don't give that shit away. I'm a writer. That's my attitude as well. Mm, yeah, you've got to keep the gold. You've got to keep yeah. the gold. And all my <laughs> Imagine <laughs> if I gave it out to the lycra clad therapist. I'd lose my They'd edge. They'd be writing a book. <laughs> they exactly. <laughs> I need my material. Anyway, uh, you've got me very interested in the show Rectify. I'm definitely going to watch good. it now. Yeah, it's really good. We've, we've got a box cutters review of it uh, from a few. Was that box cutters 1.0? I can't remember. Yeah, though. it was because both of us are a little bit lost. Yeah. You <laughs> have done have it because I, I checked yes, we your, did. Yeah, and Top of the Lake is great because it's Jane Campion and it's so visually gorgeous. Mm. It is visually gorgeous. That that one lost me. That was too really? ponderous to. I, to Make yeah. it through. It's it's in my stockpile, but okay. I haven't gone back to it. I yet. watched the first episode and with a friend actually, and both of us sort of said afterwards, "I don't know if I can handle watching any more of that because it's so like soul crushingly depressing." It wasn't about that. It was like we we watched three episodes yeah. to review it. Yeah, um, yeah. But it was just I do I, like I hadn't soul been engaged. Depression. Yeah, I'm not saying that I thought it was bad. I just found like. I, it's heavy. I, I, yeah. I mean, and that's weird because I normally like watching things that are extremely emotionally um, engaged. Think things that that uh, are quite controversial or or can you know engage the um, darker emotions. But for some reason, I found it just completely hopeless. Like there is no hope. It was total despair. Like they are I all in New Zealand. Not. I was just about yeah, to say New Zealand maybe, brings that out in a Maybe person. that's what it was. I don't know. I just uh, couldn't handle it. Well, I just want to thank Lauren Rosewarn. It's been so much fun having you on our show. We could talk to you for hours and hours. This topic is like Anytime, endless. Thank you. You'll have to come back every time we have even a remotely sexy show on. Can we have Lauren? So anytime on? there's boobs. Yeah. That's pretty much Bush. every sure. <laughs> masturbation, particularly seeing as it's your favourite topic at the 600 moment. 600 scenes from film and television and masturbation. Would you ever think there's that much out there? Wow. Mm. Have, you, have you got a Tumblr that uh, listens <laughs> yeah. to No, but thank God that there are a whole lot of perverts out there yeah. who collect the scenes and create I, these wonderful uh, archives. I, YouTube. I make GIFs. Of masturbation. Oh, my God. The look on her face when she said that. I wish we had the video <laughs> podcast. <laughs> I, I like to take sexy scenes from my favourite movies and make gifts out of them and put them on my Tumblr. What's, what's your Doesn't Tumblr? everyone do that? I'm not me. I'm but not saying. No. It's a secret. I don't tell most of the people I know. I have a Tumblr and it's only for porn. Okay. Well, What are uh, these microphones do? <laughs> now <laughs> the entire world knows. I oh, know. I was about to say, you only tell a few people. Dave's taking furious yeah, notes but I'm not, I'm not telling you the name of my Tumblr. It doesn't right. have my real name I'll on find it. it. I'll put it on the... <laughs> um, uh, I'll tell you, Marion. Yeah. So thanks very much, Lauren, and uh, we'll be chatting to you soon. Crushes. In crushes this week. Uh, My crushes. So I have... I'm really busy. The only thing I've watched this week is Masters of Sex, Mm. which leads me to my next point. I only have one crush because... There are no male characters or actors that I'm even remotely interested in on Masters of Sex. Much to Rachel's... (laughs) I don't understand what's wrong with you. There's so many hot guys on that show. But it doesn't matter how many hot guys are on that show because they are all overshadowed by the amazing radiance of Ms. Lizzie Kaplan. Uh, Virginia Johnson is her character and she just, everything about her oozes sexiness. Lizzie Kaplan is one of the most beautiful creatures on earth and her outfits are so perfectly, like the the way that they create the shape in her body, like, you know, 
that fashion in the 50s and 60s was all about sex and vamp and pointy breasts and beautiful hips and, you know, women being women and looking like women. And she is, like, drastically thin, to be fair. But um, but she's, yeah, she's just really, really beautiful. So Lizzie Kaplan, she's from L.A. She's been in stuff. I actually found her uh, more sexy or more more crushable in, in Party, Party Down, Down. Yeah. just in the black and white. Me so too, I, I loved her in Party Down. And I loved the chemistry between her and... Um, Adam Scott? Yeah, thank you, in Party Down as well. Um, yeah, I don't, like, I don't like that Masters and her in Masters and Sex... Uh, masters and se- masters of sex. I don't like their relationship. Well, I've only seen five episodes, but um, yeah, but I I'm crushing on her big time. She's my crush of the week. You got your post. I have a letter. Did you read it? You're a godsend. Save you. No, I'm, I'm just postman. The postman. The postman. The postman. Trudy Boxcutter writes on the blog. Hi, Boxcutters. Congrats on the show. I've fallen a bit behind and only recently listened to this ep. Intervention is one of my all-time favourite shows. It was actually an American production airing on the A&E channel and the Canadian version is a spin-off. It ran for 13 seasons and finished this year. At times, it did seem exploitative. We certainly saw the addicts in full flight, but it also gave them a voice and an insight into the issues that may be fueling their addictions. This humanised them and was terrifically moving. The free care they were given was top shelf too. On the final episode, they had recovering addicts who had been featured on the show talk about how it saved their lives. It's a hugely impacting and moving show. Highly recommended. We spoke about intervention and it winding up a few weeks ago. Mm. Um, did did any of you guys have a look at at any of it? No. I, I did try a couple of episodes. There was one where uh, it was a woman who who was using injecting drugs, um, but that that was all about the family trying to help her and and kind of bring her back to the church, which I I felt like kind of just yeah. substituting one one problem for another. Potentially, Ooh, and and I actually turned that off um, and, mm. and moved on. And the next one I saw was a guy. So it was both of them were based in the states. Um, it was a guy who who just loved being drunk all the time, and he had he had a wife who was an enabler, and it was about if she if she says that she doesn't want me to go to rehab, then I'm not going to go to rehab. Spoiler, uh, mm. turned out that that she actually agreed with with uh, his his family and all that sort of stuff right. but it, it was like it wasn't exploitation um which is which is kind of surprising for reality TV. yeah because that's what today. we were talking about we were talking about reality television being exploitative and um the producers just wanting a narrative and fitting people to that narrative and not really caring how it was going to affect their lives I think Trudy's um, letter yeah. is really interesting yeah. as well. I'm going to uh, – I will check it out. I will endeavour to check it out. And thanks very much, Trudy, Thank for you, contacting Trudy. us. Yeah. If you'd like to voice some feedback to us, you can write to us through the Contact Us page on the blog. You can send it to hooray at boxcutters.net. Or you can get on the social medias. Certainly. At, uh, at boxcutterscast and at Facebook. Facebook.com slash boxcutterspodcast. If you watch one Marion? My one thing to watch today is kind of a little bit funny, um, but I saw the ad on, I saw an ad on SBS the other night mm-hmm. for The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead's been airing in the US. They're up to like season five. There are a gazillion episodes. And um, SBS is going to be, well, has started airing it from season one. I actually didn't mind season one. I kind of lost it after season, like halfway through season two when I realised mm. that I just hated everybody really passionately and just wanted them all to die which you know i mean inevitably uh happens with most characters that anyway is the correct response to that television but show. um but i really 
it's my <laughs> it's my oh. what to watch because I really liked the tagline. You know how um the commercial stations like fast tracked from the US like and all that. So SBS has a little tagline on the ad slow tracked from oh, the US, it? and I just thought that's brilliant. It deserves to be watched. Oh. And so. uh, and there's actually an, an accompanying piece uh, in the states called The Talking Dead, which is hosted by Chris Hardwick, who oh, we really? mentioned before. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there you go, Rachel. Well, I'm actually looking forward to an Australian documentary, which is a little bit unusual for me because I usually watch trash. But uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing um, this opening shot, um, which is an Australian documentary series. Mm-hmm. Um, and this Wednesday, Growing Up Gaby, it's actually an exploration of adults who grew up with um, gay parents, either with two mums or two dads. And uh, I find that really interesting. So uh, that's coming up this Wednesday on ABC. Like the girl with the two mums in play school that was that national controversial Aye. thing that uh, John Aye. Howard spoke out against. And was actually, she's the, the, the baby is uh, now an actress. Um, is that so? Maybe yeah. on Puberty Blues or something. That was on, uh, what was the documentary Puberty. recently? The Craig Roycastle ABC, ABC, ABC yeah. um, Can I tell you what I'm looking forward to? What I've been watching? Yes, I'm please. not sure if anyone heard of this or seen it. It's, it's a short series. It's almost an interstitial on um, ABC, ABC Two called Seven Days Later, and it's just it's a they, they will take suggestions from the internet people, or mm-hmm. like on YouTube, YouTube or whoever, and, and they'll, they'll put together, generally. which is pretty much a short film in a five minute, five minute, six minute short film. They've had some great guest stars. Corey Feldman was on. One of them? from the Goonies, from the Goonies, and that was Love the week. Corey. That was the week after his story about getting getting abused as a, as a child star <gasps> came out. Right, I didn't know that. Um, and and so so which one is it? Which of the Corys? Both both Corys were abused sexually as children. Haim and Feldman, yeah, and Feldman. So he was. I think they just had it had it put it out to him, and he was in Melbourne at the time. And said, "Well, I'm doing nothing. Yeah, sure, I'll come up and be in your show." Um, so it's, it's amazing when you think, how did they get him? And who was the first guy? The guy who used to. So it's Colin Mockery? Colin Mockery. They got who's from. Um, Whose Line? Whose Line is it anyway? Oh, cool. And Toby Truslove. Toby Truslove was great in it. And is that, they've only had three. So it's, it's interesting to see who they get. Which, oh, they had um, Megan Washington. Is that her name? The singer? Yes. The Megan singer. Washington. <laughs> the singer. Uh, Megan Washington. She was on the last one. Uh, so it's interesting to see what they come up with, what topic they're given, um, and how they put together. And what's also interesting is on the um, internet, um, the information box, they have also a sort of making of, which I actually find more interesting than the actual short. So that's worth worth checking out. So is that, is that kind of behind the scenes and, and yeah, outtakes? Yeah, them, stress, stuff, them stressing out that they haven't got anyone to be the star, them finding out that they've got Corey Feldman, Corey Feldman turning up to set, you know. Cool. That's great. It's very, very, uh, very interesting. Um, there's also, and I'm, 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 I didn't put it as my what to watch because I haven't watched it, but I'm wanting to watch it. The Keating Doco in two parts on um, ABC. Talking to Kerry O'Brien? <coughs> yes. So I'll watch that and then it might be my what to watch next week. Spoilers. Oh, no. Uh, and, and my one thing uh, is 30 Rock is currently screening on two networks. It's on... Channel 7 and SBS 2. SBS 2 are showing it uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday at 7.05pm. And uh, Channel 7, as usual with a good television uh, product, shows it at 12.30am on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. Good times. Sorry for hiccuping halfway through your... Um... I didn't even notice. <laughs> no, I didn't notice. <laughs> I thought I'd bring it up anyway. <laughs> hey, um, when I cast my pod it's with the box cutters in mind box cutters pod cast done pork is on the table it's time to be hungry again we had steel saunders saying that uh, as he listened to that intro from brian and Curvis, uh, he would always feel hungry at the end of listening to box mm-hmm. cutters hey uh lauren have you got appearances coming up are, are you trying to sell books here what where, where can we get it from 
Um, readings are currently stocking it in Carlton, and that's American taboo. It has lips on the front cover, neon lips, so it's mm. a, a very um, aesthetically pleasing cover. It's a hot mm. cover. It yeah. is a hot cover. The 28th of November, um, which is a Thursday night, I'm one of the keynotes for the launch of Archer magazine, which oh. is a sexuality um, hard copy magazine that's launching at the convent, that uh, looks the Abbotsford really cool. Convent. So it's not named after the cartoon series, I, Archer. And this is what I was, but I haven't asked, um, and I have a piece in there about how heterosexuals are as perverted as homosexuals. So that's what I'll be talking about at the party. Come, 28. Awesome. That sounds awesome. Marion, you're, uh, you're having a dalliance with former box cutter John Richards and Ben McKenzie. I am. I'm, ex- so, I'm so excited about being an, uh, an that, that's, honorary that, That's in a podcast channel. kind of format, isn't it? Yeah. Not so the <laughs> no, I'm not having a dalliance with the both of them. Anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Some people like that. So which one is it? So I've heard. So I've heard. Uh, so Splendid Chaps is the excellent um, Doctor Who themed podcast mm-hmm. by John and Ben um, mm-hmm. that they've been doing all year. So. And there's a there's a massive Doctor Who event this week. Yeah, well, because it's Doctor Who, it's the Doctor Who Festival. 50th anniversary. It's wicked. And um, so we're, uh, I'm going to be on the panel for, um, it's kind of an extra episode about the Doctor Who Companions, which we're recording tomorrow in front of a live audience. Um, but by the time this is out, it'll have been done. So you'll have to go and find the Splendid Chaps uh, podcast and have a listen to that. Excellent. And we'll have more. We'll put a link up on the blog. Okay. For that. So that uh, brings us to the end of Box Cutters episode 359. I'd like to thank Lauren Roswell. Thank She's you for having me. Excellent guest. And uh, maybe we'll talk to you again if we can get sexy like we have this week. And uh, thanks to everybody. <laughs> that was so creepy. <laughs> that was so creepy. All I can imagine I think it's got a little wriggle. The little wriggle you had. There was so much going on there. <laughs> It was a shimmy, actually. It was a male shimmy, but only women can shimmy. It's like a slow motion. Dave, can you do an impression? (laughs) No, it was great. I loved it. It You know, you you couldn't control yourself. It was just, you're like Ricky Martin for a second there. (laughs) My my body got out of control while my brain wasn't sure where that sentence was going to go. It was beautiful. Yeah, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) And thanks to all of our hosting team. Marion Blythe. Rachel Howe. Dave Lawson. And having me in the sexy studio. <laughs> Dave, right? It feels like we should be wearing wet t-shirts and spraying each other with Throwing, soda. Yeah, no, and hitting each other with pillows for the pillows. Audience. Well, we were doing that before. Oh, yeah, right. Sorry. And I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Peace out. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world, whose studios we use to record this show pretty much each and every week. The show is produced by Brett Cropley with Marion Bly, Rachel Howe, Chris Rankin, Chris Tuddy, and the very handsome Dave Lawson. Brett Cropley records, edits, and produces the audio. Peter Wilson keeps everything nicely greased up on the internet end. If you enjoyed this show, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Tell three friends, write emails, post on Facebook and tweet about us. It means so much to us and spreads the word. Send us your thoughts, feelings and deepest secrets through the Contact Us form on the blog at boxcutters.net. Thanks as always to Josh Canal. It's all kind of different without you. Uh, can you give us a little shimmy? Shimmy, give us a shimmy. Mm, <laughs> mm. Oh, I, I don't actually have a memory because my my brain was distracted. <laughs> truly, it was my. We're getting all sex. If, if only yeah, I could get like a little snippet of it, so I could put it up on somebody's Tumblr. What? Oh my god! We could do an unending gif of it. We could. Ca- I could yeah. post it okay, on I'm my blog. Fi- yeah, I'm gonna film it. I know who's got the best, the best Tumblr in the world. Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.